0: Welcome to this Hardwick podcast. My name is Colm Nugent, and I am delighted to be joined today by my colleague, uh, Nye Maloney. Together we are barristers at Hardwick Chambers. Today we're going to talk about what the Times newspaper described as the case that divided a nation called Bruchette and Hazeldean. Nye, for those of our listeners who don't read newspapers or use the internet, what
1: was Bruchette and Hazeldean all about? So this was Gemma Bruchette's claim for damages for personal injury that she suffered back in 2015 when she was crossing the road and she was struck by a cyclist ridden by Mr. Hazeldean. Okay. well, there's been a lot of articles written
0: about this case in most of the uh, tabloids and and indeed some of the broadsheets.
1: But what were the unvarnished facts from someone who was actually there? So the... Undisputed facts generally were that Mr. Hazeldean was cycling home from work. The accident happened at about quarter past five, busy rush hour in central London. Mr. Hazeldean comes over London Bridge. He cycles through lights that he says were green, together with a number of other cyclists. As he approaches the lights, he sees a group of pedestrians that others have described as, as about five or six deep, an estimate about 50 crossing the road about 20 metres away from where he was. At least one of the cyclists stopped. Uh, Mr Hazeldean carried on going forwards, sounded is his air horn, uh, and accelerated, and some of the pedestrians carried on crossing the road, some stepped back, some of them stood still, uh, and unfortunately for Gemma Brushett, um, Mr Hazeldean collided with her.
0: Now, you were representing Miss Bruchette at the trial. Was Mr. Hazelden the cyclist? Was he represented?
1: He, he was, in the end, for the first perhaps two years of the claim. He was doing it himself, um, drafted his own defence, of which he did a pretty good job, actually, it's fair to say. So the judge heard evidence from uh, a witness, I
0: understand, and from um, the pedestrian herself. Did she hear any evidence from the cyclist?
1: Yes. So one of the difficulties in the case for the claimant was that Miss Bruchette herself, as a result of her injuries, was not unconscious and she suffered amnesia. So she had absolutely no recollection about what had happened whatsoever. Um, We had evidence from another cyclist, the cyclist that had stopped when he had seen the pedestrians crossing the road, um, who said that Mr. Hazeldean had uh, driven past him on on his right-hand side, sounded the air horn, and then accelerated in the direction of the pedestrians. Mr. Hazeldean gave evidence as well. Those were the only two witnesses that gave evidence as a liability at trial. There were some other witnesses who were interviewed by the police at the scene on the day of the accident, but uh, they weren't brought to court.
0: So the judge, having heard all that evidence, what material findings did she
1: make? So it wasn't a difficult finding, I think, for the judge to make that the defendant had um, carried on going, in fact accelerated, when the junction wasn't completely clear of pedestrians because that was something that the defendant freely admitted himself. So the judge found that that was a breach of duty, the cyclist Mr Hazeldean wasn't cycling with reasonable care and skill um, he anticipated that they would continue on to the pavement um, but it whilst it might have been the cyclist's right of way she found that the cyclist should have thought that he couldn't safely pass the pedestrians on the crossing without giving way given the number. What findings did the judge make about the pedestrian? So One of the allegations by the defendant was that Miss Brushett was using her mobile phone as she stepped out into the road. And that's the reason why she wasn't paying attention and didn't see the cyclist. Um, That was something that had been advanced by Mr Hazel Dean um, shortly before trial. That wasn't a feature of... His account that he gave to police at the scene, nor was it a feature of any of the accounts given by the other witnesses at the scene. But in fact, the judge accepted what Mr. Hazeldean had to say on that point, And Miss Bruchette, because she couldn't remember, um, couldn't effectively counter that assertion by the defendant. And in terms of liability, what was the outcome? So the judge found that whilst the defendant had breached the duty of care that he owed to Miss Brushett and therefore was negligent. She also found that the claimant's conduct was, uh, as she called it, an important contributory factor. Uh, In essence, she held both the defendant and the claimant as 50% to blame for the accident.
0: Now, the outcome of that 50-50 split between the pedestrian and the cyclist seems to be the subject of a lot of heated comment in various um, uh, social media and in the newspapers. As the barrister in court representing one of the parties, did that outcome come as a surprise to you?
1: It, it certainly wasn't a surprise to me, although I'd probably have to accept that I'm not coming at it from a completely independent view, having represented Miss Bruchette, no, only on the day of trial, but having not been involved with the case for a while before the trial. I think one of the problems with the perhaps public perception is within some of the newspaper coverage uh, they were certainly selective in in some of their facts which is understandable of course because they have a limited uh, amount of words that they can print about any particular subject uh, and couldn't set out the whole transcript and therefore had to select some of the evidence but one of the important things that seemed to be missing for most of the coverage was the defendant's own admission that there were cyclists on that there were pedestrians crossing the road he had seen them he was aware of risk if he carried on to some degree um yet accelerated towards them
0: i'd like to ask you about the media coverage in, in, in a moment but before i do that it's clear from some of the reports that um only the pedestrian recovered any damages despite there being a 50 50 split in liability the the, the pedestrians 50 percent to blame and the cyclists 50 percent to blame so why did only she recover damages not him
1: well mr hazeldean for whatever reason didn't bring a counterclaim i.e his own claim for personal injury even though he said he was also knocked unconscious briefly as a result of the impact and had suffered other other physical injuries as well. Um, According to various accounts after the trial, he said that he he hadn't believed in the compensation culture, as he put it, which was the reason that he didn't advance his own counterclaim. But long and short of it is, he didn't make a counterclaim himself. And so the judge couldn't award him any damages.
0: One element which, again, attracted a lot of comment was the Apparent, um,
1: suggestion that the cyclist
0: is likely to bear the entire costs of the trial again despite the fact that he was found to be 50% to blame and so is the pedestrian is that true and why is he likely to end up bearing all the costs
1: well he's going to have to bear the reasonable and proportionate costs of the action um, a- again had he had bought his own counterclaim and been successful to whatever degree he, he would have also recovered some of his home legal costs
0: the coverage depending on what you read suggests that the outcome either gives a carte blanche to pedestrians to walk across roads without looking or alternatively a cyclists cyclist a license to barge through
1: pedestrians in the road would you say either of those characterizations are accurate No, the judge was quite clear that there was fault on both sides here. Um, Whether or not the claimant was actually using her mobile phone, I'm sure she would have been found to some extent to blame and have had some reduction for contributory negligence anyway. Uh, Essentially, everyone using the road owes other people around them a a duty of care. The cyclists owe a duty to pedestrians to uh, cycle safely and not to... Injure them uh, and cyclists similarly it's foreseeable that if they cross into the road suddenly without looking and the cyclist is approaching that they might cause a cyclist injury they have a duty of care not to uh, act negligently by stepping out into the road by m- not looking um, that was fairly settled law before and I don't think brush or hazel changes it well given that did the level of media coverage of the case surprise you Probably. This was what's called a, a fast-track claim, a claim that had a value of less than £25,000. Um, I've dealt with similar claims on both sides for cyclists and pedestrians in, in similar facts, and there's not been any um, media coverage and potentially some more newsworthy cases than Brushett and Hazeldine that haven't attracted media uh, attention. It, it, it did surprise me, albeit cycling is a hot topic particularly in london well uh,
0: that's apparent from looking at the uh, at the coverage of it itself and some of the articles and and indeed some of the editorials but was there any element of the media coverage that you found disheartening or unfortunate
1: certainly some of what what i consider to be overly selective reporting in some of the publications but but not all of them um, wasn't great and um I I felt was potentially unfair to Miss Bruschetta and even potentially to Mr Hazeldean in in some respects. I think everyone would agree that the
0: case and the outcome shows the perils of walking across the road without looking. But are there any takeaways for cyclists that, from the case, that you think they might find
1: useful? Um, React to what's ahead of you if you see a group of pedestrians crossing the road at busy rush hour um perhaps don't accelerate towards them um on, on a broader issue i know that um mr hazeldean was um concerned about bearing the costs of the damages and, and the legal costs because he didn't have insurance uh, and had he have had insurance um one it, it wouldn't have been a financial concern to him and, and two i suspect the insurance company would have taken a, a view and settled claim long before this case ever got to trial Okay, and I don't know if you know whether such insurance is available for commuting cyclists. I know that in some household insurance, some house contents policies, perhaps building policies as well, there will be coverage for this sort of thing. Um, And I've also been made aware, subsequent to this trial, that British Cycling offers insurance that can cover liabilities of up to £15 million a year. Well, that
0: seems to me to be an absolutely no-brainer from that perspective.
1: Now, I thank you very much for
0: that very interesting uh, um, account, and I hope the definitive account of a case which, as I say, the Times is described as dividing a nation. Hopefully this podcast won't do the same. That concludes this Hardwick podcast on the topic of Bruchette and Hazeldean. We hope you find it interesting and useful. You might like to subscribe to our podcast series by way of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever podcast medium you use, and you can also find out more information about our podcasts on the Hardwick website hardwick.co.uk. Thank you for listening. and from now I myself.
1: Goodbye. Hardwick is a barrister's Chambers which specializes in legal advice and advocacy in the areas of clinical negligence and personal injury, commercial dispute resolution, construction, insolvency, insurance, private client professional liability and property. This podcast is provided free of charge for information purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied on as such. No responsibility for the accuracy and or correctness of the information and commentary or any consequences of relying on it is assumed or accepted by any member of Hardwick or by Hardwick as a whole.